Well, as Matthew said, today's scripture is from Romans chapter 15, verse 14 through Romans chapter 16, verse 16. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, 
and my beloved Stachys. Greet Ampelis, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristopolis. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Lord, we ask for your blessing now on this preaching of your word. I pray especially for the young men and women in this room. Would you use this message to give them in particular a heart to see Jesus made known among their friends, in their school, Would you call some of them to move to places where you are not yet known, Lord? Give them a burning desire to see Christ made known that exceeds all the other comforts and conveniences that we tend to worship as Americans. Do that work in the hearts of young and old alike, we pray today. Amen. The Lone Ranger has a special place in American storytelling, American lore. I'm thinking of people like Daniel Boone, or Davy Crockett, or Lewis and Clark, or maybe you've seen some of those larger-than-life pictures, portraits of George Washington, where everybody else is kind of in dull gray, and, you know, the light is on Washington, and he's standing alone before masses of fleeing redcoats, British soldiers. We, we really do love a good man against the world story, don't we? And I think we can often read the history of Christian missions and in the same fashion. What do I mean? Well, David Brainerd brings Jesus to the Native Americans, single-handedly. William Carey, Amy Carmichael do the same in India. They're joined by Adoniram Judson in Burma, David Livingston, Mary Slessor in Africa, and Hudson Taylor in China. They were the few, the proud men and women who really did something to make Christ known. And of course, it all begins in the first century with the Apostle Paul, who went all over the Mediterranean world doing great exploits for Jesus Christ. And that's why we have so many Christians in the world today, less than 10 people total. I think that's an attractive reading because it, it plays to our affection for superheroes. But friends, that's an unbiblical reading of the history of missions. That's not just not true, but it doesn't do justice to the witness of Scripture. Hear that. The Lord certainly uses individual Christians to pioneer gospel ministry in incredible ways. But he continued to do so. But the history of missions doesn't begin with a story of independent superheroes. Okay? 
It begins with a story of interdependent churches where every member of the body is invested in the welfare and mission of the whole. That's the point of the end of Romans. And at the end of the book, in case you weren't counting, the Apostle Paul recognizes no less than 31, I counted them, individuals, families, churches, or groups of churches. Some of them are men, some of them are women, many of them are Gentiles, some of them are Jews, some are young, some are old, some are Romans. Some are traveling to Rome from another congregation. It's, it's one of those glorious places where the Apostle Paul kind of pulls back the curtain and lets us see just how much Christian missions is a team effort. It, it's not like skeleton, you know, where you've got, I mean, I, kudos to those guys, they're crazy, but we've got one person going down the little sled-looking thing. It's, it's not like skeleton. Christian missions is like soccer. It's a team sport. And we spent the last few Sundays, it's been a joy to do this, considering our God-given priorities as a church in the work of missions. So we saw from Acts 4, the priority of prayer. We saw from Luke 10, the priority of going. And this morning in Romans 15 and 16, the Lord confronts us with the priority of partnership. That's the key word. That Jesus does not accomplish his mission in the world, you hear me say this a lot today, through isolated individuals or churches. Here's the main point. Jesus accomplishes his mission through interdependent churches that are united in gospel ministry. That's how he gets his work done. Because the Apostle Paul was, was not a lone ranger. Read these chapters, very clear. He was surrounded by an army, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to borrow Peter's language, and it's together that they proclaim the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. And King Jesus commands us to do the same, friends, exact same thing, to to link arms with like-minded churches and accomplish together what we never could alone. So Paul gives us, through his example here, he, he draws our attention to several lessons about the priority of partnership in missions. So let's consider a few of these briefly today. First, first lesson we see here about partnership and missions, the goal of missions is faithful churches. Okay, don't miss this. The goal of missions is faithful churches. Paul didn't plant the church in Rome. He didn't. Maybe he didn't know that. Paul had never visited the church in Rome when he wrote this. But he cared deeply for the church in Rome. Look at verse 16, chapter 15, because he was a minister of Christ Jesus. Okay, but Paul's acutely aware that he's not his own. He, he belongs to God. Because God purchased him at the cost of his own blood. God's mission in the world was Paul's mission in the world. Hear this. Not because Paul was an apostle, but because Paul was a Christian. As a Christian, a follower of Christ, Jesus called Paul to labor among the Gentiles. In in the service, he says, of the gospel. What's that mean? 
well, over the course of three missionary journeys where he covered some serious miles around the known Mediterranean world, he explained how Jesus delivers us from death and brings us home to God, to all kinds of people. And, and through Paul's teaching and example, what, it, what did the Lord do? He, he brought Gentiles into glad submission to their creator. They, they experienced the joy through Paul's ministry of becoming more like God through relationship with God. Look at verse 19. Because Paul describes the result of his missionary labor here in a wonderful way. From Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. All right, you geography nuts out there. (laughs) What, What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about an arc of geography from Israel all the way up to northern Albania. Okay? Does that seem like an exaggeration to you? Is Paul actually saying, think about this, that in, in an arc stretching a long way from Israel to northern Albania, the, the work of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to bear on the hearts and minds of everyone in that space, done. I mean, is he exaggerating just to kind of justify his retirement? I mean, what, what's going on, right? Well, he could say, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Here's why. Because he had finished the work of planting churches from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. As men and women embraced the obedience of faith in Christ Jesus, Paul did not leave them kicking around in the sand as isolated Christians. He gathered them into bodies of believers, united by the Spirit to do what? United for the worship of God, and for the fulfilling of Christ's commission to disciple the nations. As as Jay Knox writes, the message had been proclaimed and the church planted in each of the nations north and west across Asia Minor and the Greek Peninsula. Notice, proclaimed widely enough and planted firmly enough to assure that the name of Christ would soon be heard throughout its borders. So what was Paul's job? To plant churches in strategic locations. But after that point, once that happened, it was the church's responsibility to continue the work. In other words, the biblical goal of missions is never a greater number of Christian individuals. The goal of missions is faithful churches. Biblical missions proceeds out of the local church and results in a new local church. It's out of mission, at, missions is out of the church, unto the church. And that's not a New Testament idea, by the way. Psalm 50 verse 1, the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting from east to west, 
How does, how, does, how does the Lord speak and summon the earth? Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. How does God, the creator and sustainer of all things, shine forth in the universe today? What's the psalmist tell us? Well, he does it through Zion. What's Zion? It's the people of God. It's the church. Through the corporate witness of Zion, the redeemed people of God, the glory of God shines forth. What's Paul reminding the Romans of here? That the goal of missions is faithful churches. It's always been that way. That's the first lesson. Here's the second. Faithful churches practice partnership in gospel ministry. Focusing on the second half of chapter 15 here. Faithful churches practice partnership in gospel ministry. In verse 24, Paul tells the church in Rome that he's hoping to visit them on his way to Spain. But notice, that wasn't a pit stop. It was an opportunity for partnership or shared labor in gospel ministry. And Paul actually spends the next 10 verses laying out a biblical vision for how faithful churches practice partnership in gospel ministry. Okay, so let me give you four qualities here, at least four characteristics How does a faithful church practice partnership? First, partnership is grounded in mutual affection or relationship or friendship. Paul doesn't begin by reminding the Romans of the finer points of their denominational affiliation and obligations. (laughs) Notice that. He he begins with relationship. Why? Because he, he longs to see them, he says, because he really cares for them. Verse 24, he's eager to enjoy their company for a while. It's relational, not official. Brothers and sisters, when we, when we think about other churches or pastors or, or missionaries in sovereign grace, our own denomination, we, we shouldn't think of them as strangers, or people out there, okay? We, we should think of them like Perry, right? As family, because that's who we are. We're part of a spiritual family. Partnership is, is grounded in relationships. Second, partnership is expressed through financial support. Look, look back at verse 24, chapter 15. When Paul says he wants to be helped on his journey to Spain, he, he's not kind of playing the request for money soft. Like, I want to be helped, and you know what that means. No, he's, he's actually using the Greek word there, very specific technical term for material resources. He's not being cagey. He's coming right out and saying, I want your financial support, Rome. Why? Well, because in the same way that the Lord wants us to provide for our, our physical families, biological families, Kingsway, the Lord wants us to provide for our spiritual family too. That's why. And, and here's what that means on a, on a practical level, okay? Just to apply this. The financial support as a church that we give to our denominational mission fund is not, may it never be, Lord, about paying organizational dues. Don't think of it like that. It's about linking arms with pastors and church planters from congregations like our own who are breaking ground for the gospel, check this out, in 38 different countries around the world where sovereign grace is presently at work. 
And, and when we practice financial partnership with them, the way Paul was urging the church in Rome to do with him, the work a pastor or missionary outside our church is doing, please hear this, isn't just something sovereign grace is doing. Okay, it becomes something we're doing with them. No less than the church in Rome did with Paul. And that's one of the reasons we've, we've consistently budgeted, if you weren't aware of this, a 1% annual increase in giving from Kingsway to the Sovereign Grace Mission Fund en route to our 10% partnership goal because we want men like Perry to be helped and equipped to make Christ known among the Chinese-speaking population in Charleston and, and from there throughout mainland China. I mean, this is why I was on the phone last week with Ken DeLage, pastor of Mercy Hill Church in Fredericksburg, some of you know him, strategizing with him about how all the churches in our region could join us in providing financial support for Josh and Lisa Kruger in Namibia. It's because when we, when we get behind, this is Paul's point, when we get behind Perry, or we get behind Josh and Lisa, gospel ministry in, in Charleston or Vintook isn't just something other pastors and missionaries are doing out there and we kind of sit here comfortable and, ah, good for you, thanks for your example. Go forth and be blessed. No, it's something we're doing with them together. Third, partnership characteristic consists of churches caring for other churches. Don't miss this. This is really important. Okay, that the vision, say it this way, the vision for partnership in gospel ministry, in these two chapters, is way bigger than individual churches supporting missionaries out there or pastors out there or church planters out there, okay? It also includes whole churches supporting other whole churches even when they're in completely different parts of the world. Look at verse 25, chapter 15. I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. There was a famine at that point. And the poor desperately needed food. And Paul writes, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in or at Jerusalem. Do, do you know the word that we translate Contribution is actually the word that is translated in many other places in Scripture as fellowship. It's koinonia. And that emphasizes the, the relational character of their gift. It wasn't rooted, in other words, in, hey, well, somebody's got a financial need, we should give to that, that would be nice. It, it was rooted in the joy of friendship. They, they were thrilled to help a sister church in need. But, but notice this too, okay, what's going on here between these churches relationships between Jews and Gentiles in the first century were typically marked by deep-seated animosity. Racism. Ethnic strife. So what do you think happens when primarily Gentile churches in Macedonia and Achaia send a significant financial gift to primarily Jewish church members in Jerusalem. What's that do? That makes a loud statement, friends, about the reconciling power of the gospel. That's what that does. 
for, for Gentiles to give help to Jews and Jews to receive help from Gentiles was a stunning expression of cross-cultural unity in Christ. Kingsway, that's what we get to do. Let's put feet on this. When we send a gift from our International Missions Fund to pay for Jorge del Castillo to get retinal surgery so believers in Santa Cruz can continue to benefit from his pastoral labor and he doesn't go blind. We're caring for the church in Bolivia. It's what all the other churches in our region did a number of years ago when we, we gave Joshua Earl a $25,000 church planting grant to start Grace City Church in Wilmington. What are, what are we doing? We're caring for the church in North Carolina. Okay, it's, it's why Sovereign Grace launched a relief fund. After Hurricane Katrina just came storming through in 2005, channeling thousands of dollars to our sister church, Lakeview Christian Center, in New Orleans, so they could meet their neighbors' financial, physical needs in Jesus' name. We weren't just sending money somewhere in our denomination and that's all well and good. No, we were caring for the church in Louisiana. Here's what we need to know. Partnership in gospel ministry isn't just a missionary support thing. It's a local churches caring for other local churches thing, especially across cultural boundaries. Here's the fourth characteristic, biblical partnership. Partnership is strengthened through persistent prayer. Look at verse 30, still in chapter 15. Strive together with me in your prayers to God, Paul says, on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Christians in Rome, pray for that. Not just occasionally, but, but fervently, faithfully, earnestly. Friends, I think it is so easy, just thinking about what Paul's commending them, commanding them to do here. It is so easy for our prayers, let's be honest, okay, to, to take on a, a very self-centered character. A me-centered character. What, what do I mean by that? Well, it's a, it's a me-first attitude when it comes to what I'm praying about that, that bends all of our prayers to all of my felt needs like, like the needle of a compass. That's so easy. The, the Lord admonishes us here to have a Christ-first attitude. Not a me-first attitude in prayer. That, that engages in the work God is doing across our denomination by praying for other churches, other pastors, other missionaries. Regularly ask yourself, Christian, does my prayer life reflect God's missional concerns or has it shrunk to the size of my own felt needs? We pushed back on that last night when we prayed for our missionary partners in Thailand. We're in Namibia, we're in Bolivia. It's, it's what we did this morning when we, we prayed for Living Faith Church or some of the churches in the, the Philippines. And it's what you can do during the week, friend. Practical suggestion, subscribe to our monthly Emerging Nations newsletter and bring the needs of our spiritual family around the world to the Lord in prayer. Here, here's the, the big point from this section in chapter 15. 
first century churches in places like Rome, Macedonia, Achaia, Jerusalem, they were not isolated or just focused on their own thing. They practiced partnership in gospel ministry. In Kingsway, that's the kind of church we want to be. Because that's the kind of church Jesus wants us to be. When, when that happens, look at verse 29. The, the fullness of the blessing of Christ that Paul describes here, it, it really does cut both ways. Let's be really clear on this. It is easy for us as incredibly wealthy Western American Christians to think we have stuff to give, the rest of the world just needs us. That's not true. That's not true. This, this, look at verse 29. The blessing of the fullness of Christ that Paul refers to, coming to bear as he's united with the church in Rome, that is a blessing that cuts both ways. The churches and individuals we care for are refreshed through us, and we receive significant spiritual encouragement through them. Did, didn't you feel that as Perry was sharing this morning? We're, we're being built up by our brother. Just to give you another example of this, the importance of of local churches being in partnership for mission together. I I want you to watch a brief video clip right now. We don't typically do this in the middle of sermons, but it's a great illustration, so I couldn't resist. Uh, From two pastors at Grace City Church of Wilmington to just give you a glimpse of how Jesus accomplishes his mission through interdependent churches united in gospel ministry. Let's watch this together, then we'll come back and look at chapter 16. Hey, Kingsway Community Church, we just finished up uh, one of our Sunday morning gatherings. I'm here with uh, Jim Hawkins. My name is Joshua Earl. I've met uh, some of you before, many of you before. Uh, I'm hoping to get back up to Kingsway uh, soon here in the future. But uh, your pastor, Matthew, asked me, us, to uh, just come on here and record a, a quick video um, about uh, the benefits of partnership in Sovereign Grace and how we personally, Grace City Church, have benefited from partnership in Sovereign Grace. I'm sure Matthew will refer to this, or he already has in your series, but I look at Romans 16, and I, I see all these names that the Apostle Paul listed, and the, the, the great benefit that they brought to him in his ministry, he actually called out unique individuals. And so I want to begin this by just sharing about how Kingsway uh, has been such a great blessing to Grace City Church in particular. Um, obviously, the first, one of the biggest reasons for me personally is the, part, is the uh, friendship that I've been able to benefit from uh, from Matthew, your pastor, uh, as well as Josh Kruger and Chris Delagalos, actually. Uh, so all three of you have, have specifically uh, uh, been an encouragement to me in, in different ways. But I, Matthew, I think about you in particular, brother, uh, just the way that uh, your heart has been toward us, toward our church, even before we planted. And I think even before we, we began Grace City Church several years ago, uh, your friendship was just so so meaningful to me right in the beginning. We were outsiders coming into Sovereign Grace. And so now we very much feel welcomed and a part of this uh, this family of churches. And one specific benefit that I've received from my friendship with Matthew is the wisdom that he has personally given to me and my wife, Michelle. Uh, we've had some challenging times over the last year. And uh, he and Eliza have just been an ear for us. And so uh, that's one personal, very specific way that uh, this wise man has been a benefit to me, and I know you all benefit from his wisdom as well. Uh, and thank you also, Kingsway. You guys have just been, I, get, I still get emails from some of you, and we get uh, occasional contributions from, from some of you just uh, reminding us, hey, we're here, we're praying for you guys, we believe in the mission that God's doing in Wilmington. And so Kingsway in particular has just been a, 
a huge benefit to Grace City Church ever since we planted back in 2018. So thank you all for your faithfulness along the way. I'm here with Jim, uh, Jim Hawkins. Some of you may know Jim Hawkins, uh, and uh, he's going to share just a few things, and, and then I'll finish up. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Yeah, just to be able to speak to you all uh, as a fellow church within the same region uh, is really a privilege because uh, we certainly have benefited as a small church here uh, being associated with a region of Sovereign Grace churches uh, that's part of the larger uh, group of churches that we're in. We have friendship. We benefit from the counsel, the wisdom, but then just even practically uh, in terms of serving our church directly, we've had uh, regional pastors come in, Matt, Matthew being one of them, to teach us uh, on a Sunday and giving Josh a break since he carries most of the load when it comes to the preaching load. Uh, but I even think of this last summer, uh, we just have primarily one uh, worship leader and he needed a, a chance to take a break. And all we needed to do was reach out to a number of churches in our region. Crossway Community Church was, was an easy one since we've all come uh, here from that church originally, but also the church I came from in Charleston, South Carolina, Risen Hope Church, we reached out to these two churches and said, hey, can you share uh, some worship leaders uh, to help out on a Sunday morning? And they definitely signed up. And I think four, five, maybe even six came throughout the summer. I think one came twice. Uh, and they really gave us a great break uh, for our worship leader. And we benefited from hearing from them and their worship styles. And it was just a great, perfect example to share that we really do benefit from our being part of a larger group of churches. Yeah, and, and Jim and Sharon are at Grace City Church because of the partnership that we have. Uh, Jim has been pastoring for over 30 years, Sharon by his side uh, during all that time. And uh, Mike Seaver, who's also in our region in Charleston, uh, a couple years ago gave us a call and said, hey, uh, it's possible that Jim is going to be, his job is going to shift him up to the Wilmington area. And when we learned that, we just our jaws dropped open because we, we count this guy to be like one of our heroes. <laughs> and so the fact that he is here uh, as an older, more experienced pastor to bring, uh, man, so much spiritual oversight to uh, this body in ways that Aaron and I, who are a little younger, are not able to, has really grown us spiritually as a church. And so I praise God for partnership in that sense, that the Hawkins are now, Jim is now an, an installed elder here at Grace City Church. Uh, because of this partnership. And uh, there's so many more things we could say. Uh, the benefits we've received from the region, uh, from the greater family of churches in Sovereign Grace. There are a number of guys that uh, we call on when we have questions about certain things that uh, we know they're just a phone call away. And everyone is so willing to, to help us out if we have if we have questions. So Kingsway, thanks so much for, for hearing, this, hearing us out. And uh, again, hope to get back to you soon. And uh, you are you are loved by us. We thank God for you. We thank God for your pastors. And we thank God for your faithfulness uh, through all these years. So uh, praise God for sovereign grace. That's what we're talking about, friends. Many of you know Josh. And in case you're wondering, he's coming back this summer to preach. So you'll get to see him again. Grateful for his friendship. Grateful for his faithfulness. The Lord's vision for us, hear this loud and clear, is that we would not be an independent church that is doing our thing for King Jesus, 
without in any way being connected to what God is doing through all the other Sovereign Grace churches around us. We, we want to be an interdependent church that's united in gospel ministry for Jesus' sake. But I, I think for the average member of our church, all this talk about partnership on a Sunday like this, it can sound well and good, but on a very practical level, it can feel like something that is reserved for pastors and other leaders. Maybe you've felt that. Uh, many of you have kindly said on more than one occasion, Matthew, I'm so grateful for the friendships you have with other Sovereign Grace pastors. Uh, to which I say, yes and amen, because <laughs> I couldn't endure in ministry without them. But, but listen, if that's all that comes to your mind, Matthew's friendships with other pastors, when you think about partnership, something's missing. Something's missing. It's, it's something the early church recognized. And it's something the Apostle Paul celebrates in the first 16 verses of Romans 16. What's that? Point number three, that partnership in gospel ministry is an every member activity. It's an every member activity. Okay, the, the list of men and women that Paul commends. The first 16 verses of chapter 16 is not limited to pastors. Hear that, okay? It's, it's individuals, it's families, it's groups of Christians in, in various places all over the Mediterranean world. And, and notice how Paul describes them quickly as servants of the church or patrons of many, fellow workers, beloved, kinsmen, fellow prisoners, well-known, in Christ, approved, saints, workers in the Lord, hard workers, chosen in the Lord, spiritual mothers and brothers. It's not confined to pastors. Let me just flag two examples, okay? Highlight two of them. I love the fact that the first fellow worker Paul commends is a woman. Don't miss that. Gospel ministry in the early church was not the boys' club. It was championed by men and women alike in the roles God ordained for them. Consider Phoebe in verse 1, for example. She, she's a servant of the church in Centria and most likely the bearer of Paul's letter to Rome. And, and notice how Paul asked the church in Rome to do what? To welcome her, to help her, re requesting hospitality, financial support for her, no, no less than he did for himself just a few verses earlier. And he describes her as a patron of many. What's that? Well, it's, it's someone who hosted all manner of Christian workers in their home, providing financially for them. And as I think about Phoebe, I, I think about how many of you have embraced her example. Maybe without even knowing who Phoebe is or how to spell her name, but you are. So some of you know this, but others don't. Um, Mario and Ami Tarasena, where are you guys? I know they're here. There you are in the back. Mario's in crutches. The Lord will heal you soon, my friend. <laughs> Mario and Ami are members of the Sovereign Grace Church in Gaithersburg, Maryland. They're not yet members of Kingsway. But they're also planning on moving to Richmond later this year to help us disciple and reach out to our Spanish-speaking members and neighbors. 
And I mention them, Kingsway, to, to encourage you, because as a church, you have done such a good job welcoming them and caring for them. I, I think of Jorge and Xiomara Martinez, who drove up to the Tarasena's home last week in Northern Virginia to deliver groceries. Or I think of my in-laws, my wife's parents, members of the church, Mike and Cindy, who'd recently invited Mario and Ami to live with them. That, that's Romans 16 in action. That, that's Phoebe in action. Or look at the example of Priscilla or Prissa and Aquila in verse 3. Acts 18 gives us some background here. They were a Jewish couple from Italy that Paul met in Corinth after the Roman emperor Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome. And they were tent makers by trade who welcomed Paul into their home and provided for him, for Paul, by giving him a job. And, and when Paul left Corinth for Ephesus, they actually sailed with Paul to Ephesus. And when a gifted teacher named Apollos showed up in Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila were the couple who took the guy aside and, as Luke wonderfully says, explained the word of God to him more accurately. <laughs> What a gift that was. And, and by the time, apparently, Paul's writing to the Romans, Priscilla and Aquila are back in Italy. So what's Paul do? He thanks them. He, he commends them here by name on behalf of all the churches that they served through, through their practice of hospitality, through generosity with their business, and, and the way they shared words of spiritual encouragement and exhortation. What, what's my point? I'll keep beating this here. Partnership in gospel ministry isn't a pastor's only thing. It's an every member thing. I, I think about Bruce Chick from the church in Roanoke. He still talks about the time that he visited us, friends, on a Sunday morning to preach in this pulpit when his wife, Hen, was severely ill. So several years ago. And we prayed that morning for Hen as a congregation. And the Lord provided in some remarkable ways for her over the next few weeks, next few months, and eventually completely healed her body. That, that wasn't a pastor's only thing, right? If you were here that morning, that, that was an every member thing. We were praying for them together. I, I think of the way Bevan Walter Levanovich this is a super fun sermon because I just get to shout out people who I love and respect. Bev and Walter took the out for dinner after they returned from missions work in town just to honor and encourage them. That, that's Priscilla and Aquila in action. Or, or I think of the way Andrew and Sarah loaned their Krugers their van. Here, just take our van for several weeks while they were in the States on furlough. It, what's the point? Partnership in gospel ministry isn't a pastor's only thing. It's in every member thing. Kingsway, I linger here because I have a strong burden, as does our entire eldership, that we would be a church where every one of us, not, not just our pastors, supports, encourages, intercedes, and cares for Sovereign Grace churches all over our region and around the world. They're, they're not just, just part of our denomination. They're part of our spiritual family. And that means sovereign grace. Some of us who've been around a while really need to hear this. Partnership with other churches in sovereign grace is not a public relations liability to minimize. What is it biblically? It's a gospel partnership we celebrate.
It's not a liability. It's a partnership we celebrate and lay down our lives to build and strengthen. The point of Romans 16 is that the Lord wants all of us, every member, with all manner of different gifts to to bring all that we are to the table and say, Father, would you use me to advance the gospel, not just in King's way, but around the world. Why? Because partnership in gospel ministry is an every member activity. That's God's vision. If you look at verse 16, the very end of our passage, I love this picture of greetings going back and forth between all the churches of Christ and the church in Rome. That's just such a picture of God's mission strategy. They, they don't exist in, in silos, you know? Each church doing their own thing. What, what are they? They're relationally and financially and spiritually involved in one another's lives. That's why we're going to keep praying for Perry. Jesus accomplishes his mission through interdependent churches united in gospel ministry. Hear that loud and clear, friends. That's not my idea or Sovereign Grace's idea. That has been God's strategy from day one. May that be our strategy as a church. May may we not buy into our cultural anti-authoritarianism and independence that says, you know what? It's safer just to do our own thing and minimize attachments. That's not biblical. That's not God's heart. We want to be an interdependent church that's united in gospel ministry for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for surprising passages like the end of books filled with names. And the way when we slow down, they teach us so much about your vision for missions. And in particular, Lord, your vision for partnership. And Lord, I pray, as I have before, that that you would make us, make Kingsway a congregation that cares just as much for how other churches are doing, other pastors are doing, other missionaries are doing, as we do for our own people, Lord. We, we don't want to be in, a, in an unbiblically protect, self-protective kind of selfish way, just focused on ourselves. Or we confess that's a temptation for all of us to just have our attention, our desires, our prayers, just curve inward to our own felt needs. Jesus, thank you for the way chapters like this just pry open our eyes and turn us outward to your vision for missions through partnership. Would you make us an interdependent church where every member is engaged in the health of the whole? Do that, I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for responding to the word of God, friends. As we sing this next song, we're going to receive our annual International Missions Fund offering. If you're not familiar with this, it's a, it's a really significant offering every year in the life of our church where we go above and beyond our regular giving to support the work Jesus is doing around the globe and in other people groups like you heard from Perry, even in our own country. Out of every dollar we receive, 50% goes to missionary support, 25% to missionary resources and supplies, and 25% 
to the Casa de Esperanza Orphanage in Caranavi, Bolivia. When, when you came in this morning, I don't have one with me up here, but I hope you saw one of those blue envelopes on a seat near you. Uh, when the ushers come around in just a moment, contributions, this is important, to our general fund, just go straight in the offering basket. Okay, contributions to our mission fund go in the envelope, and then the envelope goes in the basket. Make sense? Um, as always, you can give in person today, certainly, or online anytime during the week. My encouragement to you is to give generously, to give cheerfully, to give sacrificially, that the glory of Christ would fill the earth. Jesus is worth living for, Kingsway. He's worth it. Let's sing and remind ourselves and one another of that, and then we'll conclude. Would you stand with me?